Hello, this is Steve Smith, and I'm a real hooper. What real hoopers do is they lead on and off the court, more importantly in their community. Got to go to hoopersvote.org, learn how you can make a difference, make a change. Once again, hoopersvote.org. Get out there and vote, make a difference in your community. That's from Steve Smith, a real hooper. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, me and the guys break down what the hell is happening with the Boston Celtics against the Heat, and we talk about how the future is now for young players in the NBA. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. And welcome to an all-new Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore, Seth Partnow, Moda Keel, both here, present, and accounted for. What's up, fellas? Just chilling, Dave. Just just enjoying life. Fresh off of a nice four-mile run. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. Let's let's do this, fellas. We're more ready, I think, today than the Boston Celtics were in game four. They came out to me pretty flat. Uh, Seth, we, we talked a lot about, uh, over the last couple of weeks about Miami zone and how, you know, Hayward was kind of the, the, the key in game three, getting Miami going away from that zone, but game four, Miami pretty much just defended in zone the entire game in half court possessions. Yeah. According to synergy, which isn't perfect, but it's, it's a good you know, estimate uh, of Boston's 92 offensive chances, 53 of them came against the zone, which is just a bonkers high number. Uh, there's there's no easy way to search in synergy, but I have to imagine for an NBA game, that's the most they've ever seen by a, a, a decent amount. That's an enormous amount of zone. And especially considering that it's pretty hard to play a zone off of a, a live ball play. So it means basically every time they shot a free throw or the ball went out of bounds or they made a shot, they were in zone. Uh, why is this working so well? Like, here's the thing. They, they showed that they could beat the zone in game three and they beat it early, which got Miami out of it. But why are they struggling so, so badly against the zone? I mean, it's, this is stuff that you see high school. They are just not running offense. Essentially they're, they're swinging the ball around the perimeter. Uh, We'll find a gap and throw it in there and then we'll get a shot somewhere. And occasionally that's worked, but they're very seldom flashing a guy to the nail and they are just setting no screens. I think that that uh, I tweeted out in the third quarter, like, is, is it illegal to screen the zone? And the very next play, like they 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 set like a ball screen for I think it was Jalen Brown. And he Jalen Brown, he, I remember exactly off, that comes screen. Comes off a left hand drive, goes to the basket and lays it in, just a simple ball screen. Um and so just run your your normal pick and roll stuff. Like they still have to, like a pick and roll still has to be guarded, um, if it, just because the players are, are aligned differently. It's not like normal NBA man principles aren't heavily zone influenced now anyway. But instead, they're just right. they're they're being very passive, and um, I think a lot of the turnovers are trying to throw kind of home run passes that'll unlock and well that that pass was so good we have to not play zone anymore. 
Well, you well, know, and I, Mo, one of the things Miami does so well is they actually play like an aggressive zone. Like they're jumping those passing lanes. I mean, this is the the turnover issue is being created because Miami is pressuring those passing lanes. Yeah, I mean, look, first off, them having their wings up top of the zone is something massively different. You know, we we talked about in the Toronto series, it's a bit different with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet versus Jimmy Butler and name whoever the other guy is, Jay Crowder, uh, Tyler Hero, whoever. Um, You know, it's long guys that are there and it makes it more difficult to get that, just that first pass through, you know, and, and ultimately I think they, here's the thing. I disagree with you guys a bit in terms of them not being able to figure out the zone. I thought they did a much better job in the second half. And a lot of it had to do with the screening. I thought they got a, you know, it's that it's almost like Brad Stevens saw your tweet. Cause it was like, right after that, it was an avalanche of, of screens. You know, they started to go through it a lot with ball screens, one with Marcus smart, coming off the side and and pulling in the defense and finding Tatum for a three who finally started to find his shot. You know, you had some of it from uh, Jalen Brown, as you discussed. It just felt like, okay, they started to screen more and started to make things happen. Where they ran into problems, Dave, in the zone, especially to the turnovers, was when they caught, when the guy who caught the ball, especially in the middle, was looking to pass more than looking to score. You know, and it was one of those things like there was a great example of Tice catches it at the elbow. He's wide open. They're not guarding him at the elbow. Like, you know, it's it's we can argue whether it's a good shot or not or whatnot, but he doesn't even face the the, the rim. He looks to maybe maybe there's Brown on the block, doesn't see him, tries to swing it to uh, Gordon Hayward on the wing. And Jimmy Butler is just right there. It was an easy steal for Jimmy because he just had to put his hand up to pick off the pass like it's that kind of stuff that's the passivity in the zone that really causes problems for them and that's where their issues were running into but I thought when they did get a screen the zone looked a lot better because it got them moving and things like that the one other argument I'd say is they probably need to work the baseline a bit more yeah to me it's it this was one of those nights where the glaring issues with that offense, like they just really stand out. If Kemba and Jason Tatum aren't cooking, then all of the warts start to show up. You know, I mean, Gordon Hayward's shot was just looked off early. And so they weren't putting pressure on the defense by being able to shoot over that zone and they weren't getting into the hoop. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not surprised that they struggled. Yeah. It seemed like, I mean, I know you and I, and you were, you, you, texted me and multiple people during the game if, if everything was all right with Tatum in the first half because he didn't he 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 was patient to the point of passivity and I think yeah. that that goes to what what Mo is talking about in terms of 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 being aggressive against against that zone like you know the, okay whoever they have at the top of that zone Tatum can get by that guy so make get by that guy and make the defender come instead of instead of like well they're going to help so I should just pass now anyway, and so they were they they weren't they weren't putting the 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 defense under any stress because they were sort of conceding like okay the first guy is not going to be able to get all the way to the basket and score but make them stop you before you just concede that. Yeah, I mean they had a first the one of their first threes early in the game was off of three drives into the paint. You know it was. Um, so forgive me. I can't remember who the first guy was who drove, but I know Kemba Walker got the kick out, 
He drove, he kicks it out to Smart and then relocated to the corner. And then when Smart drove, he found Kemba for the three. I mean, it's just kind of the aggressiveness was massively different. And remember, game three, they had 60 points in the paint, which was absurd at that point. But, you know, it was an aggressive level, right? It was a very aggressive 60 points. And I didn't feel like they got there in that sense. And I felt like they sort of held off when they were getting there. We're, we're going to talk about how they're struggling to contain Bam Adebayo in a second. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so Bam Adebayo is absolutely destroying Boston. I mean, he's filling up the stat sheet. Now, <laughs> Seth, I know that you're about to, to rain on this, this statement. Because you you kind of disagree. He's getting stuff. Like he's actually making the most of the opportunities. He's not creating those opportunities though. So I want to clarify that. He is killing them because he is capitalizing on the stuff that's there. Not so much that he's just going out and doing it himself. Right. I think if we have one sort of critique of Bam as a player, it's that he is not a great or really even at this point good uh, creator of shots. Uh you, you look at um, uh, touch time before a guy shoots as a reasonable proxy for whether a teammate set him up or not. Uh, when he's had the, held the ball for less than two seconds, so basically either off of a pass or straight from an offensive rebound, in the playoffs, he's shooting 67.7%. When he's held the ball more than uh, two seconds, so when he's basically asked to do something himself with the ball, he's shooting 36.4%. So yes, Bam has been massively effective in so far in this series, but I think that's as much about them struggling to contain uh, the Celtics struggling to contain on on penetration and on off ball movement into to dribble handoffs and stuff like that than it is Bam just going out and working them. I, I think some of it is it, it, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, you know, which one came first sort of scenario because I think some of it comes down to. You know, the way the Celtics are hugging up on guys, right? Like Bam's able to roll to the rim off these pick and rolls and this DHOs. And he's able to get an easy, easy lob. Because like Jalen Brown's hugging up on Duncan Robinson. They're not going to leave, you know, for whatever reason, they're not going to leave Jimmy Butler in the corner, which I'm like, you should probably do that and take away Bam and live with that three. But there are just too many examples where they're not rotating on that stuff. And I think that opens the door for Bam. Now we can argue, is it because those guys are so good on the wings that they need to stay with them? Or is it a case of, Hey, like we need to stop the roll and then see, you know, Bam so good. And it's, it's kind of an interesting sort of catch 22 almost in that scenario. And I think that's something that's really been very interesting for me watching this heat team. They have so much space. Like Miami shoots so well and Bam does is so effective at vertically spacing that there's just not really anything that like you can't guard. And that is trouble. I mean, even Jimmy Butler, who's not a good shooter, has been shooting pretty well. And you know he can get to the basket or draw a foul. And so, I mean, it's just really tough. I, I underestimated 
Miami's offense, I, I think, and even though they were like the seventh best offense in the regular season, I just thought Boston's defense was just going to be able to take things away, not worry about Jimmy Butler's shooting, you know, but they're guarding Bam 25 feet from the basket with Tice. I mean, pressuring the dribble when you should really be inviting him to drive on you. You know, you, you want to try to get him creating stuff by himself off the dribble. That's a win. So kind of speaking of forcing them to do things that they're, they're not wanting to do, this is something we, we looked at earlier in the series uh, when, when, you know, when Kemba Walker was kind of really struggling to contain Dragic was, um, you know, all of these sort of wide pin downs that, that Miami sets into their pick and roll dribble handoff action, like Kemba's getting, was getting picked off. And so he's, he's trailing uh, the play. So all of, so you, you, you have a way you wanted to defend the, the pick and roll and dribble handoff and you can't defend it that way because the guy guarding the ball is already like a half step off because of the, the screen that happened first. So I'm, I'm watching the games, the game last night. And this is, this is a constant thing that's happening to Boston all over the floor is, you know, they set a, you know, Jalen Brown's guarding Duncan Robinson. They set a wide pin down for Duncan Robinson. He comes up, comes off a DHO, shoots that kind of pull up that, that pull up three directly behind the DHO and gets run into and shoots through three free throws. My question is, is why is Boston trailing on those all the time instead of like, if you're Jalen Brown, I'm going to go Hubie Brown here. You're Jalen Brown and you're, you're, you're guarding Duncan Robinson. Um, don't you want to make him back cut you once instead of just like always putting yourself where you're, you're trailing the screen. So you're behind all the time. I don't think we've seen a single back cut by uh, a Miami wing player this season to end of the game last night. Like, uh, you know, uh, hero had that nice slice cut down the middle, but I'm talking about on the baseline when they're setting up to come off of these, these, these pin downs, like don't, don't let them get back to the ball, force them down to the baseline, make them do something else, make them finish against, make them make tough catches and finishes against your size and athleticism. I think some of that is scheme and, and, and what the Celtics want, right? I think part of it is, they're afraid to give up these cuts because Miami's such a good cutting team. I mean, they sliced up teams all through the playoffs with those back cuts, you know, and that's something that Duncan Robinson does well. That's something uh, Butler does well across the board. Like they all kind of have a good understanding of, okay, if they try to top this top lock, the, the uh, pin down, the wide pin down, we're just going to cut back door. And I think, you know, there have been times where they've done it and the defense has been able to recover. There's a, I got to go find it. There's a great clip of, uh, J- uh, Jason Tatum taking that away from Butler uh, in, in in the game yesterday. But I think part of it is like they're more comfortable with the lock and trail because that way they're not conceding access to the, the paint and they're not going to give up a foul on a rotation or anything like that. Or Miami's oh. a good team where when they come in, even if they get the ball on the back cut, they find the guy in the corner on the weak side because they're taking advantage of your help and that's how they get a three. And I think that's the stuff they're trying to – to avoid your smile. Well, no, but so I'm also, pretty sure we'll see what so, you're no, but they're, here. So by, by not giving up fouls and threes, they're giving up fouls and threes because they're and, right. and, and dunks <laughs> well, because I, I mean, they, but, but they didn't No, I, I see what you're saying. A lot, I, no, I see. I see. But this, I feel like this is where like Bam is getting these lobs is because the, the defender is trailing into the, 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 the dribble handoff. And then, you know, Tice comes off Bam's body just a half step to, to give help because, you know, Dragic is already coming downhill and then he just throws the one hand lob somewhere in the near the, the vicinity of the basket and Bam goes and gets it. Whereas if, if you're not, if, if he's not, Dragic isn't getting a free run off the screen, it's a, it, anyway, I, I I don't know, but I think, but I think I, it's, but I think it's the yeah. help. It's, it's, it's the weak side, not helping. Cause you're good. Right. Bam has to come. I mean, excuse me. 
Tice has to come off of Bam's body to slow those dudes down. He's going to have to show or or hedge or switch in those scenarios. And it's the other guys that aren't doing it. Like there's a, I tweeted it out last night. There's a clip where uh, Brown's guarding a guy. I forget, uh, a hero. He comes off of a Bam screen and Tice is actually in perfect position to take hero. This is a situation where Brown has to late switch. He doesn't do that. And because they're hugging up on the shooters on the the weak side and give credit to Miami being smart enough to put Duncan Robinson in the corner so you don't leave him, you know, he's late to that and it's an easy lob. So it's, it's, it's across all of those things, you know, now maybe if you want to say don't, it's hard not to lock and trail because they've taken Robinson out of the series with that, you know, that besides the one foul that he got, you know, there are two or three, there's two times, three times where he's come off those pin downs. And the, he's had to pump fake and then try to get the next shot. And they're there the second time. So, you know, and he's had to give up the ball. So I, it, it's, I think it's working more than it's not. I think the issue is they're not having the help beyond that, those two guys. What, what do you guys think about uh, Stevens making the adjustment for game four and bringing in the Time Lord, Robert Williams, uh, as sort of a little counter to BAM? I thought that that was an interesting move and it actually worked for them. I wonder if we're going to wind up seeing more of that, you know, as the series continues. I thought it worked well in the first half and I thought mm-hmm. it was a problem for them in the second half. You know, he, well, that's he when they need to play Grant Williams, half. right? Like Grant Williams, just being like an adult on the court is such an important thing. I think for this team when Tice can't be out there and Grant Williams plays like one minute, in game four, I I can't wrap my head around that. He's he's one of the few bigs they've got that you can trust when he gets switched onto guards. Like you can't you can't bum hunt hunt him uh, the way that they do Kemba and, and Tice a little bit to a certain degree. Like Tice, when they get him in space, you can see they want to get him on his heels, and they're trying to get Bam going to the basket and force Tice into these these bad decisions that he's got to make. And this is why Goron and, and Tyler Hero have been so ridiculous because. You, you keep getting the Boston big split between these two guys and, and it's literally, you know, pick your poison well, pretty much. I think, you know, when you, I think you're, you're, it's interesting in that scenario of how do you go about it with, with Williams. I actually thought Tice did a pretty good job on the switches, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and handled it pretty well. I thought it was the overreaction to him. Okay. Tice has switched. It was the other four guys overreacting to it that led to breakdowns more than than Tice not handling it well I thought it was more just like okay you can you can leave him on an island the bigger issues were when they got the switch and got Kemba in the post that's when it became an issue and that's where it was a a problem early on in the game they made a point to go after him got Jimmy Butler an early post up uh you know they, they they started trying to find ways to attack Kemba a lot more but Tice for me overall is doing all right in that scenario. So I think this is where I look at, um, I think, you know, the, whether you use Williams or not, it's a different story. I think, you know, but I didn't mind, uh, excuse me, you use Grant Williams. Cause I forget that there's two Williams. Like, come on guys. Um, but well, one of them know, is I'm, the time Lord. Yeah. I'm so, not using that. Yeah, Sorry. I'm not, yeah. no, I'm not it's using that nickname. It's, it's Robert, uh, you know, if, or, or Rob, if that's how we're going to go with it. But you, know, I thought he did good in the first half. So you give him a run in the second half. If you didn't, it clearly they didn't like what he, he gave cause he got almost four minutes and they immediately yanked him. But I also think down the stretch too, they're going to go what they did their best five 
you know, which is basically an entire small ball lineup. I think that you raised a, a good point about the overreaction. And I think that's what we're not seeing Boston really forcing at all from the zone. And, you know, a similar stat to one I, I, I just quoted about Bam in terms of his, of his kind of effectiveness uh, when he's being set up by teammates versus not, that's, that's a generalizable thing. Uh, teams usually have about a 10 point better uh, effective field goal percentage on uh, teammate created shots than self-created shots. Um, so far in this series, uh, 59.8 of Miami shots are, are with less than two seconds of touch times, 48.6 of Boston's. Now, Boston is usually sort of low on that, but that I think tells the story of how much better Miami is able to get Boston in scrambles and find teammates for these kind of open, comfortable shots and how often Boston is – Relatively speaking, how often Boston is forced to, okay, you go make a great play for us to score. We're going to dig into how the Miami guards are really slicing up Boston in a second. But first, a message from our good friend Taz Mellis about Indochino. Hey, I'm Taz Mellis of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me... Getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt. As I tuck it in, I got a no dunks monogram and I decided against the shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS, not ASS, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code TAS. Okay, so Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic are just killing the Celtics. Goran had a bad game three. Boston wins. Uh, Tyler Hero has one of the greatest rookie conference finals games of all time. Everyone's ready to crown him, you know, the best rookie of this class. Uh, Hall of Famer, ever, all of these ever, things. Ever, <laughs> ever, best rookie ever to have graced the planet Earth. <laughs> so, all right, how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Boston has the defenders uh, aside from Kemba. Is it just Kemba? No, it's not just Kemba. Part of it is Hero, right? Like he first off is a hell of a ball player. They did he did attack a bit on uh Kemba early, but they switched Smart onto him at one point and that didn't really do all that much. You know, they had Tatum onto him and that's when he got the slice cut. You know, there's a lot of things that are coming to it. I mean, here's the thing, and everybody needs to calm down. Okay? He had a hell of a game, an absolutely amazing game. He could be complete dog shit in game 5 happens guys he's a young guy this is normal and not normal in him scoring 37 points which is absolutely absurd but in the sense of 
the inconsistency. You know, and he's been building up to this. Like he's been having a good playoff run. He had a really solid second quarter in game three and and all of that stuff. And I think it's something that we it's not all that shocking to see, but he is very comfortable. And that's what's the the surprising thing. You know, he's listen, he took that big three and drilled it on uh uh excuse me, on smart. And then the next three was a complete air ball. Oh, didn't yeah, yeah. Phase him, but didn't phase him at all, Dave, after that, right? Like, after you shoot that air ball, I mean, you might go like, all right. No memory. Maybe no I got memory. a little ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he literally was just like, no, somebody opened the door when I took the shot. That's it. And, like, <laughs> he was he was confident enough to keep going. So I think that's the, sh- the more shocking thing is the, the, the gutsiness. Of, it's a great trait. Him. It's a great trait to have. Like he, he's not going to beat himself. I mean, maybe he shoots himself out of the game, but he's not going to beat himself. Like he's not going to sit and think about that air ball and, and then not pull up, you know, the next time he has a chance to. So that's great. But I mean, they are getting everything they want against Boston. And, and a lot of that comes from, I think comes from Bam, but it's undeniable that the shot making from Hero and Drogic has just been ridiculous it it is is more bubble ball is weird um mm-hmm. i'm sorry i don't want to say that make dismiss it as that but it's 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 sure, one of those but things. it is weird it's it, you know how what do we what do we take from this um is 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 mm-hmm. is there a new model that we're seeing or is it just you know confluence of factors and Miami has uh and let's not forget I've been front until last night at least where he, he started a little bit like Jay Crowder's been shooting the shooting the crap out of the ball oh, too. Yeah. And, you know, he's a guy who's who's been an okay shooter for most of his career and is and has been uh more than that um <laughs> you know in, in, in Miami. So um you don't want to dismiss it as just kind of just one of those things guys made shots, but at the same time uh, I think I saw a stat today that the the total points in the series are exactly even. So this has been a really close series, and uh, a few extra makes for the Heat um, has 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 been what has given them a, given them a three one lead. On the other hand, you know it, it, that wouldn't take much the other way for this to have been a sweep. I mean, I I I agree with that. I think it's been really close, but to a certain degree, like Boston loses Game Four in a game where Miami doesn't really shoot all that well. I mean, that game is closer because Miami missed some shots uh, than it probably should have been. I mean, I think you, honestly, you look at, you look at that game and I think the 19 turnovers are really Mm -hmm. what, what, uh, what, what swings that game more than anything else. I mean, I think that when Boston got shots, they, they shot it. Okay. And I agree with Mo that when they were getting shots against the zone, they were generally, decent um but you you can't throw the ball around the gym like that uh and and it, you know it, it expect to win i mean i think that's that how much of that is miami versus how much of that is boston being careless it's always sort of hard to parse that um i will note that of the 19 turnovers only nine of them were steals um and so that that leans one a little bit more towards sloppiness than than you know um, but then again, the zone is also weird. So uh, we're, we're kind of in a little bit in uncharted territory as to yeah, across multiple dimensions about what, what to make of it. I mean, it goes to, to two things. One, I think 
you know, some of the some of those turnovers were just them throwing the ball to where they thought guys were. Right. You know, Jalen Brad- Tatum had Brown a really had bad one. one. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they kind of just tossed them straight out of bounds, you know, to like there was nobody in the vicinity at all. You know, and I think that's the kind of stuff that's worrisome. The Listen, when they made a run in the third quarter, they only had one turnover, you know, and, and then seven in the fourth quarter. Like that's how you get to 19 because they had 11 in the first half. So, you know, and, and they took advantage of it in the fourth quarter. You know, I think they had 11 points off of those seven turnovers for the Heat. And that's, you know, big plays, big, big swings. There are also more opportunities to listen. You get more shots up. Yeah. More chances to score plain and simple. Right. And that's, you know, that's the simplest analytics. And I know it drives Seth nuts. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but I think all of those things kind of led to problems. It leads to, OK, now I'm more you know, nervous. Now this shot carries more importance when I shoot it. Now it's like, you know, this, it, you know, you're you tend to get more tight. You know, and you tend to get more nervous. It's it's you make a mistake and you continue to compile those mistakes. You know, it's, it's a compound. You can pin, continue to sort of just build upon it. And I think those are the problems that are happening to Boston. And, you know, Seth said it, Seth or Dave said it, you know, trying to find the home run pass in the zone. Listen, they ain't coming out of the zone. Right. It, yeah. it, it ain't happening. <laughs> they ran 50 something possessions of zone. They're not coming out because you got a three off of it or things like that. You know, I think there's a thing where Boston has to just accept, like, we got to just start playing. And, you know, sometimes it'll get easier, you know, if they just control the ball and take a beat and, 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 and maybe are a little bit more patient. So overall, though, to the point of this being a tight series, it's extremely tight. But Miami's just finding a way to close at the end. I mean, hell, Boston almost lost game four or game three by not closing. Uh, I think – the volume has has a great deal of, of of what we're talking about here. If you include free throws, uh, Miami is basically because of the turnovers and offensive rebounds. If you include free throws as part of you know a way to figure out uh, shooting possessions, uh, Miami's getting almost seven more scoring attempts a game than Boston in this series. Um, I, I don't think you have to do complex math to to see that that's right. a that's a pretty that that that's a you're you're playing a little bit downhill if you if we if we get seven more chances than you do I think we'll come out ahead more often than not. Yeah, they're really giving them a head start. Uh, if you guys uh, aren't already, go ahead and follow Seth on the Athletic app. He's doing these these little daily columns called the Analytical Look Around, and I've just been starting every day with these. It's a nice, uh, concise look at something that's on Seth's mind. I I will admit uh, some of these come out of our little group text. Uh, I think me and Mo should be getting a little bit of credit in these articles. Yeah, but, but, (laughs) but they, they have been fantastic. Uh, Nobody is doing what Seth is doing right now. And um, really encourage you guys to check this out. But Seth, you just wrote about Jamal Murray and how he's kind of, gone off and we just talked about Tyler Hero and of course we talked on this show about young guys in the bubble dominating to a certain degree and really like showing us stuff that we didn't know that they had and I mean even before the bubble game started I kind of joked that maybe the young guys will have a leg up because this AAU atmosphere a little bit more recent for them their AAU experience right like so it might not throw them too much for a loop as far as their routine goes um but what 
what Jamal Murray's doing is pretty uh, extraordinary. And I love that you you kind of talk about the discourse about these players being so much. What does this mean next year or the year after? Uh, and would you care to expound on that a little sure. bit? No, I was as I was like writing the piece, no, noting how just much better Jamal Murray has been at you know everything basically since the bubble started. Um, I, you know, there's, there's sort of, you, you, you look at these small sample trend pieces and like, if he can keep this up, dot, 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 it's like, well, then he'll be the second star Denver. It's like, wait a minute, Denver's in the, Denver's down two one in the Western conference finals. If he can keep this up, Denver can win the, the championship this year. So <laughs> right. let, like, let, let not, what does this mean for Denver's future? Denver's future is like this week. We're recording on Thursday. They play game four tonight. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, you know, a two, two series by the time you hear this, like Denver. Denver's future could be now. Like, what does Tyler Hero become? Who cares? I, th- I think he might become champion. Yeah, exactly. We're. I think. <laughs> right. I, I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves. And when we start like proclaiming multiple time All Star and yada yada, who cares? They are one win away from being in in the 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 NBA Finals. And if and him playing the way he's playing is a big part of that. So let's let's well, let's not focus so much on on what it like means for you know his rookie extension in three years let's like they're gonna compete for a title that's what we're doing here and i think that the it's, discourse i'm sorry i'm gonna buffalo you for a little bit longer but like do that's, it, do that, it. that's what it. The, the, the discourse has become so much about like in the future this thing will happen it's like what's going on now we're watching the game because of what happens now, not because of like what it means for a game that we're going to in two and a half years talk about what it means for two and a half years at that point. So let's, you know, enjoy this a little bit right now. Thank you. I cede the floor. It, it's, <laughs> it's, the fantasy, it's the fantasy front office aspect of of media, I think, that kind of influences this thinking. And it's like, uh, you know, everyone thinks OKC did such a great job of collecting these draft picks, right? And they're going to move Chris Paul and people keep saying, well, OKC is in great position. I agree. OKC is in great position. They almost won a playoff series this year, but they're going to blow this team up. And I can't say that next year they're in a good position. Certainly it looks like they have a lot of assets, but a future draft pick has yet to score a bucket in an NBA game. Are you sure? To my knowledge, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> and so, I, 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 Seth, I love that you're saying this because it, to me, it steals some of the joy away from what's actually happening in the moment. I mean, what Jamal Murray's doing is pretty incredible. I don't care what he's going to do two years from now. Yeah, this goes to, and I'm going to piggyback off of both of your points here. Just the idea of like, we always tend to look to the future. What's next? Man, enjoy the now sometimes. And we're in the playoffs right now. This is one you got to enjoy and watch these guys grow. Like, we're watching evolution right before our eyes. We're watching Murray not only just take the leap or whatever, and it might not be the same next year, but we're watching him play an amazing run of basketball right now. Just enjoy it. Who cares what next season looks like? for for them or how this what this is going to mean long term for the nuggets because if they win a championship that's what it means that's it plain and simple same thing for miami same thing for the lakers same thing for the celtics 
they win a championship, that's the long-term goal. You've succeeded, you know, and you, you, we're always kind of looking at like, okay, well, how do we fast forward this? Don't fast forward this. You can't skip the process. Just enjoy this ride right now, guys, because this is going to be a phenomenal run. We're getting great basketball play. I mean, even Tatum yesterday, 28 second half points after going scoreless in the first half, like that's impressive, you know, and that's something that blows you. Enjoy these things. Like, you know, we kind of try to, put all this pressure on them. You remember Tatum after his first playoff series, his first playoff run, everybody anointed him as the one he struggles. The I, next I, season. I remember his start- first playoff series very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but rub that in again, are you sure you remember it, Seth? Were you, <laughs> were, <laughs> but no, no, hold on. Mo, Dave. it's a good hold point. On. Cause you're no, no, right. On, the anointing hold thing. Hold on. Because they, because the whole thing is, during the second season, everybody expected him to be this giant, I'm the superstar, I'm taking the leap. Yo, it doesn't work that way. Development's not linear. It doesn't go straight up every time. There are setbacks. There are regressions. There are small improvements, big improvements, small step backs, big steps backs. There's all these things. So it takes time. And I just don't want us to put that on these guys. And if Tyler Hero starts out next year or has a bad year next year, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just doesn't devalue what he's doing now. Sorry, Dave. No, it's okay. I mean, we, we were just talking about pressure and guys, men often feel a lot of pressure when talking about erectile dysfunction. It is not easy. They try to brush it off. I lost my mojo or man, I had a really long day at work. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, simple, safe and completely discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The whole process is very straightforward. Go to roman.com slash athleticNBA, all one word, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to, to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA today. If you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA. GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA. Okay, so before we wrap up, uh, any thoughts on Lakers Nuggets as sort of our, our look ahead, even though everything we say right now, will be completely out of date by the time people listen to this. So just please uh, bear that in mind as you're listening. Uh, I'm going to say two I, things. One, one, one if the Nuggets win, one if the Nuggets lose. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, do it, just Jade, uh, you know, queue up uh, whichever one works to, tonight. Um, I, listen, I think the Nuggets have figured some stuff out, clearly. Uh, if we look at the last two games, um, Jeremy Grant was fantastic in game three, uh, putting pressure on the Lakers wing defense is kind of the key to the series. We know what Jamal Murray is doing. We know what Jokic is doing. If Jeremy Grant can continue to just, it's not even the scoring. I mean, I'm not expecting him to score 20 again in this series, but the, the trips to the free throw line, putting pressure on the defense, being able to, you know, draw the defense into the paint and open up some stuff for other guys has, is just going to be huge for them. Yeah, I'm not, Listen, I'm not as high as everybody is on Denver. This is the whole thing is like Denver is down 2-1. Everybody's 
the whole thing is they could be up to one, you know, the AD shot and stuff. I also think if it's a one, one series, if the Lakers had lost game two, I don't think they come out as flat as they do game three. Doesn't necessarily mean they win, but it's not a gimme the way everybody's kind of playing that whole, whole game in that sense. But ultimately look, the Lakers played like ass that first half of the game. Like they honestly, you know, to the point, Dave, you were texting us in the, in the chat. Do the Lakers look exhausted? I just honestly looked like they didn't, I didn't think they were focused. They weren't locked in and that was top down. It wasn't just two or three guys. I felt like the whole team was out of focus in that sense. Do I think the Nuggets found some things? Yeah. I mean, look, I think they got a monster game from Grant. I don't know if it's replicable. Repeatable? Replicable? I don't know. Either one works. (laughs) (laughs) Words are challenging. Um, But I don't know if that's something that he can recreate. And I think this is one of those things where I look at it and I go like, honestly, I'm still waiting for LeBron to have that monster game. He hasn't had it yet. He's had big numbers. But he hasn't had that monster game. He had some unlikely mistakes that he doesn't normally make down the stretch of that game when it's 101-98. He has a bad turnover in transition with trying to kick it ahead. He has a a bad three that he takes early in the shot clock, crashes the offensive board, chasing his own shot, which leads to a fast break on the other end, which leads to Grant getting two free throws. And they go up five, and the Lakers never really kind of threaten much after that. And I think that's the thing I think it's more of a Laker issue right now to me than than a Denver issue but I'm not as worried or as panicked as everybody seems to be that thinking the Nuggets have figured this whole thing out I I mean again I think that they just learned something and now the Lakers are going to have to adjust and and so we'll obviously we'll see it tonight but uh what about you Seth is are they going to be able to to have the similar success that they've had the last two games I am looking to see if the Lakers um, you, if you remember the press conference David Fisdale gave many years ago, not not take that for data, but uh, when he he talked about the, uh, the the opposition trying to rook them, we don't get the respect that these guys deserve because Mike Conley doesn't go crazy. He has class and he just plays the game. But I'm not gonna let them treat us that way. You know, I know Pop's got pedigree and I'm a young rookie, but they're not gonna rook us. That's unacceptable. That was unprofessional. My guys dug in that game and earned the right to be in that game, and they did not even give us a chance. And I kind of feel like that's a little bit what we saw in the fourth quarter uh, of of game three in in, uh, L.A.'s comeback. And, yeah, there were some um, uncalled fouls on Rondo in in that stretch, but it was also – there was just the the sheer amount of physicality all over the floor kind of put – Denver's guards in situations to get kind of hacked in a defensive position where it might not get called. And I'm just wondering if LA is going to come out and just like, all right, full body block across for 48 minutes across all five positions and deal with it. Um, I, I, I sort of feel like that's, that's a card that's in the bag for the team that can just play bigger than, than, than Denver. Um, so I'm interested to see if that's something that keeps going. And if it does, if if Denver is able to respond, because I mean, I think we saw them respond really poorly to it uh, for a good six minute stretch where they, you know, had, they had a, they were a a KCP wide open three from like blowing a 20 point lead in about six minutes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, they've been really, really tough, but the Lakers have to watch out because if they put them down three one. 
It's over, they, they guys. I'm, I'm listen. I'm here. I'm saying it now. They put him down three one. LeBron's going to go off. <laughs> they ain't. They ain't. They go down three one. They're not coming back a third time. Okay. It I'll, would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll, we'll have to figure out some sort of bet that's not totally degrading that I'll yeah. that I'll do if if they do come back. I, 3-1. Like shave your mustache. I have to say, oh. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you spoiler alert! They can't see that. They can't spoiler see that. alert. Uh, I, I got to say, I, I love this Nuggets team. I, I really do. They're a lot of fun to watch. Jokic is, you know, he's just like all the players that I've always loved, like Boris Diaw and and Manu, just so creative. So. I'm really hoping they can drag this out and go seven. Like I, I would like for this to turn into like a classic series for LeBron. Like when we look back on his career, we say, Hey, remember that great series against the nuggets that shouldn't have been there. You know, I, I think, I think we could get that and we're going to need to see the game tonight. Um, of course you guys have already seen it. So uh, feel free to let us know how wrong we were. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, don't forget, go back and listen to the other shows that have been out this week, if you haven't already. It's been a really great week on the Athletic NBA show. Uh, we'll be back next week where we may be talking finals. Can't believe we've finally gotten here. It's been a year. Uh, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Next week.